There's been a, there was an article in the New York Times, a front page, a homepage uh, article. Is love really addictive? How's that possible? There's a debate going on about it. I, I had written about it, but you know, sort of people are saying, what are they talking about? You can die from drugs. And so there were, right, it so happens there are three media events now that bear on this question. And the first of them is, Netflix has two series, two uh, one-year series, and they're both called Dirty John, and the one is about John Meachin. But the funny thing is, the second one is about a woman named Betty Broderick. So it's Dirty John season two, but there's no John involved. So let me just get done with Betty Broderick, was in love with and married her husband, Young. Um, He dumped her for a secretary. To say she didn't like it doesn't describe things. Um, She had four children with them. She loved her children. She couldn't let go of her husband. Hmm. she figured well I helped to make him who he, he was a doctor he went to Harvard Medical School and one of those guys he went to Harvard Medical School and Harvard Business School and then he started suing people for malpractice in tech you can make a lot of money doing that and he dumped her and she could never let go so I'll just jump to the I'm not going to deal with uh, her her solution was she went to his bedroom and shot him and his new wife dead. So when you think about, gosh, and she's in prison, you know, she'll never get out. And she had four kids. It's hard to carry on your relationship that she loved. It's hard to carry on a relationship when you're, you know, serving life in prison. So she killed for love. She's a talented person. She could have got, she wasn't going to be rich uh, um, once she got divorced, but she was going to be, you know, her husband was going to send all of her kids to college. I mean, she was, she wasn't going to have a bad life, but she couldn't give up on that relationship. So let's go back to John Meacham. The Dirty John story is about a woman who was in her 50s who was doing a dating app and met John Meacham. He's a big, good-looking guy. He claimed that he was an anesthesiologist. She had been married and divorced four times before. What's it, what's it say to you when somebody's been married and divorced four times and is looking for love on a dating app. How do you, what's that make you think of? Something's not stable in her quest for relationships. Good summary. (laughs) Another way of putting it is she's addicted to love. It's sort of like she's saying, well, there's something wrong with all of those husbands. And John Meachin was a fake from the word go. He would show up in worn and tattered med scrubs because he was essentially homeless because he had just gotten out of prison for his previous Michigas, his previous scams. He's a man who lived his whole life scamming. But ironically, 
he or not ironically, he's quite he's a big, good looking man. And he actually had a nursing life. He married one woman, got through nursing school with her, and he got an anesthesiology specialty. So he's a man with talent. And he met her. And within a couple of months, this woman with four children who had four husbands and four divorces, married Dirty John Meacham. And things went downhill from there. His kids, I mean, John Meacham is an example of a talented, crazy person. I mean, his whole life was geared, I mean, he did have an anesthesiology nursing degree. I mean, he could make a living, but he didn't want to make a living. He wanted to scam and he had a gift for reading people and women especially. How do you, this is so different from you. If you're trying to sell your, if you're a big looking guy and you're trying to sell yourself to random women, what do you try to convince them of to make them let you do anything? I'm kind, I'm competent, I have money, I can help you survive. I love you. I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. Mm. It so happens that the woman that he hooked up with this last time, he didn't, um, he didn't survive. Um, the article in the Times was Kyla Yu. Um, the woman in the 50s was Deborah Newell. It didn't take much to see that he claimed he was a, 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 an anesthesiologist, a specialty. Deborah Newell had a very extensive interior decor. She was semi-wealthy. She's a very smart woman. If a man shows up in dirty scrubs and he's living out of a trailer park and he's not really a medical doctor, and if he spends all day hanging around the house buying and selling pharmaceuticals, would you think she might pick up on that? You, you might imagine. And she had four children, three daughters and a son, and her, her oldest, two oldest daughters immediately, they started investigating, they hired a private investigator. Well, he had a long prison, he had a long criminal, he'd been in prison, he had a long criminal record. There was scores of, um, uh, of legal impositions against him, um, contacting women. What's the word for that? I'm having a. What's that called when they get? Um, you're not allowed to contact somebody. Yeah, um, restraining order. A restraining order. So he has, and you can look this all up on the. You know, they had private. They found out about it, and they put an attachment to his car, and they found he was going to drugstores and to doctor's offices. You know, he's selling pharmaceuticals that he got off the, wherever he got them. And eventually they presented that to Deborah Newell. And they said, Mom, he's a scam artist. But there's something you need to know about Deborah Newell. By the way, we talked about hacks. And the woman who starred in Hacks 
is one of the great actresses of all time. She plays Deborah Newell's mother. Deborah Newell had an older sister. Who was, uh, Deborah Newell was very attractive. Her older sister was very attractive. She had a very insecure husband, Deborah Newell's older sister. And at some point she went to her mother and said, mom, he won't even let me go to the store on my own. You could just imagine that dynamic. He's looking at his beautiful wife and he's thinking, I'm a schlub. How's she gonna stick with me? And so she left him and he killed her. Came over her house and shot her in the neck one time. Hmm. And Deborah Newell's mother forgave the man who killed her daughter. It's part of our religious thing of forgiveness. But one of the reasons she would say was he really loved her. Hmm. And to understand love addiction, you might ask yourself, well, can you kill the person you love? And in a certain view of love, you love a person so much that if they want to leave you, you can't exist. So you kill them. That Love a person to the extent that you believe that they make you whole. That you can only exist. I mean, he went to prison, but he didn't go to prison. She te- Deborah Newell's mother testified on behalf of the man who killed her daughter. Hmm. So they... You, they don't let you just walk away, but he it was voluntary manslaughter or something like 10 years. He got out after six years and she kept dealing with him. Deborah Newell didn't deal with her ex-brother-in-law, but her logic was quite similar. She was susceptible to the idea that Dirty John Meacham loved her. He, and that's how he sold himself. He said, I, I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. Something about that claim. I love you so much. You're the most beautiful woman in the world. It works mm-hmm. for some people in some circumstances. And then what happens when they try to break free? Then what happened? Then what did Dirty John do? When the, when I forget her name, the woman tried to break free from him. When she said she she actually tried to get the marriage annulled, they went to a private investigator, and they said, "Well, look at his record. Mm-hmm. He's been in prison for glomming people, scamming people, he's and selling drugs, and you know he doesn't do anything." Yeah. Okay. She decided to leave him, and this first comes back and convinces her. A smart woman. That all of those. Let me guess, because this is perfect, because I haven't seen it yet. I could see it going two ways, or maybe both of them. I can imagine him uh, leading with something like, "I am like a scammer. I'm a piece of crap. But you know, the only time I've been well in my life, and you know, uh, felt whole and felt good is with you. I need you to survive. And I could also see this, the whole um, pitching that you need me to survive." And he, he, maybe because of his drug use, he did have medical problems. And he said exactly what you said. You're the only way I'm going to survive. 
I so he needs you, and I love you. And after his whole scam life had been revealed, she got back together with him, and that was just too much for her daughters. And then again, it was complete, and he's stealing from her. Maybe that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and he hurt her business. He goes, when he, she pulls away from him, people like Dirty John, they strike out at you. And they'll say, you'll never get, you don't know what life is going to be hell. And at some point, what makes something really make you think something's an addiction? When somebody pursues something to such an extent that they destroy themselves. So she went to one lawyer and he says, well, I don't understand why he would try and ruin your business because that's what's keeping him, you know, in drugs and money. Self-destructive, right. How does that make sense? And he, he, she took her, he took her Mercedes and set it on fire. Hmm. And the lawyer says, you know, I had to talk to a psychologist friend. He wants to punish you and to be proven right more than he actually wants to survive. Hmm. So in his own way, with Deborah Newell, you're saying, how could a smart woman give up her life? And obviously, she's been married four times. Her children, were they were remarkably well-adjusted, all of them. But her youngest daughter was 25 at the time. Was a, They all worked hard. They all loved their mother. But her youngest daughter was a space cadet. And her favorite activity was to watch um, zombie apocalypse movies. Um, and she was a zombies apocalypse expert. So John Meacham trails Deborah Newell's younger, Cara is her name, youngest daughter to her apartment. And he has a knife. He's about six foot two. She's about five foot three. He's not in the good shape he used to be in. But he's not going to lose a fight to a five foot two year girl. And he comes with a car packed with those wires that they used in January 6th, they're going to wrap her up and kidnap mm -hmm. her. He comes out with a knife. And Kara Newell kills him. He drops the knife. She kicks and bites him. She takes the knife and starts stabbing him in the back. And then finally, she stabs him through the eye. And the cops said, this is impossible. How does a five foot two girl kill a six foot two man who outweighs her by 50 pounds? And the cops said, how did you, you know, you don't look like a street fighter. And she said, well, watching zombie apocalypse, I understood that the only way you could kill a zombie was stabbing him through the eye. And uh, the detective says, well, what were you thinking? She said, I was thinking kill or be killed. So this one doesn't end up, but let's go back to Deborah Newell. Deborah Newell loved her children. She came within this much of having her daughter killed by this crazy nut that she thought she was in love with. Hmm. 
And just by the grace of God, the cops still didn't understand it. They said, you know, I've seen a lot of small girls attacked. And she was unarmed. I've never seen one kill or assailant before. I, I Honestly, I don't know how this happened. And so her, out of a miracle, her daughter saved her own life. And, um, you know, I don't want to cast down. I mean, Deborah Newell's alive and well now. Do you think she might ever go get on an, an app again? A dating app again? I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this. What would you guess? It's hard to imagine that she would, but it's still possible, even likely, if she hasn't reconciled what happened, you know, how she contributed to what happened. There's another top 10. I'm trying to find the name of it. I watched all of it. Um, you can see where my taste runs to. Um What's a dating app called? It's it's two words, this show. It's a guy who dates women. He claims he's the son of, he's an Israeli who claims he's the son of a diamond millionaire. So here's a guy who, his only income is getting people, women to give him money. Um... And so uh, that's his entire income. So he finds women. He's a good-looking guy. He finds women on the um, uh, dating app. And, uh, you know, I'm just not finding the name of it. Somebody's going to know what it is. And he convinces them. He flies them all over. He flies them all over Europe and they say, oh, this guy really loves me. And then at some point he says, oh, uh, people are trying to attack my father's business. I need to borrow money from you. Tinder swindler. Tinder Tinder swindler. Thank God we got that. Yeah, Google. So here you (laughs) are. You go on a dating app. The guy's good looking. He sends pictures. Well, I have to travel all over to sell diamonds. He wears incredibly expensive washes and designer clothes. And then somewhere down the line, he has you take out loans and give them tens of thousands of dollars. He's got to make that transition. And like crazy John, dirty John Meacham, He's good at it. He convinces the woman, you're the one woman I've really, really, and he's, and like John Meacham, he's doing this with dozens of women. And he convinces the woman, he really loves her, wants to take care of her. He's under attack. You've got to help me. Take out loans and you owe me 60 or $100,000. And they go into debt for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he's always kind of, unavailable. You can't spend that much time with him because he's flipping things around. So the whole show begins with one woman. I think she's $600,000 in debt. And she said, oh, I was so amazed by him. And, And just like Deborah Newell, she got hooked up with him remarkably fast. He said, I really love you. Let's get an apartment together. Um, 
you know, I'm going to be with you the rest of your life. And then at the very end, she and three women, finally, he's done it with dozens of women, but three women sue him. They don't, they don't get their money back, although they're all, you know, go fund. They're all making money now. And he does get arrested because somebody who's doing this is having fake passports and all. He gets arrested in Greece and he goes to prison in Israel and he's out after a couple of years. And now they he's back. They show him with a supermodel. He's back in practice. Same stick, huh? And they interview the woman who opened the show with. Who, and she had been doing these dating apps for a long time. And none of them had worked out, obviously. She's still looking for this guy. And at the very end of the this was very well done. At the very end, the interviewer says, well, would you go on a dating app again, looking for love? And she goes, and you see her light up. And she goes, yes, I'm still looking for love. Even though it ruined her life, she thought she was being attacked by these jewel thieves she's hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt you just see her boom flash up with the concept of finding somebody like the swindler what is he called again the what swindler tinder swindler so love is the most motivating powerful you know People do bad things for heroin and for gambling. But generally, you're not going to ruin your life forever. You're not going to die usually from gambling addiction, certainly. And really, if you take care with heroin, you're going to be okay with, you know, that as well. You're not going to die. Heroin doesn't proposition you or tell stories to you or make you feel involved with it. It's an object, you know. With Deborah Newell and with the woman on the swindler thing, he comes back at you. I need you. If you leave me, you'll never be free of me. I'm going to track you down to the end of your life. Heroin, you know, it's just you against heroin. It's just you, really. People try and embody heroin. Oh, heroin's always calling for you. Heroin isn't uh, texting you. Uh, one of the women who finally blew the whistle on him, she she had hundreds of texts from him when he was really down and out, the swindler. Um, and he really, you know, he needed her to get money for him. She got even with him a little. She got him to give her all of the designer clothes and she sold them. But that's. So we've just talked a little bit about how Dirty John and the swindler, the dating app swindler, which are both big, big uh, videos, series now, exemplify how love is the most, can be, the desire, the belief in this mistaken notion of love can be the most destructively motivating force you can imagine. It's incredible also that I haven't I haven't seen either of these shows that you brought up. So I've got some watching to do. Well, another way to phrase that is why is Stanton Peel so I mean there's a lot of things to watch. <laughs> I'm gonna make a confession now. 
this could be the I um Dirty John was a series in the LA Times. I've read the series two times. Hmm. I've watched the video, not it's nine series long, Dirty John three times, and the Betty Broderick one two times. And now they have a podcast. You know, takes a little commitment of time to listen to an entire, I think it's seven series podcast, and it's well done. The guy who uh, wrote the original article for the LA, I'm sure he's doing fine now. He was doing that as an employee. He didn't write a book. He's very good in the podcast. He himself explores, is it an accident that Deborah Newell's sister was murdered by her husband? That's kind of an unusual coincidence, isn't it? And that her mother, their mother, still kind of loves the man who murdered. They're a family that believed in love so much. So the guy who wrote that, the, uh, the podcast, the, the guy who wrote the original LA series, it, he narrates it. He's a very, he's a talented man. It's a, it's a great exploration of that mindset. And he doesn't say to Deborah Newell, he's like a good therapist. He doesn't say, you know, you're a smart woman. How did you end up with a total crook who almost killed your... He doesn't say that. He says, but he'll, you know, he'll say, so you went back with him. Hmm. No, you knew there were all these restraining orders. But he doesn't, he doesn't imply that... Helps her get in touch with the reality. Of her motivations. Are he, takes her, he takes her on face value. He's a reporter. It's yeah. not his job to get her to stop believing in love. He just has to explore fully the contour. And he does a great job. So I, I don't even have his name handy. But he, it's, it's some of the best psychological reporting I've ever heard. So... Mm-hmm. I've watched the series three times. I've watched the Betty Broderick series twice. I've read the original LA Times series three times. And now I just got done watching the podcast. So listening to the podcast. So (sighs) at least they could do a send you a t-shirt after this. Yes. (laughs) Well, we've got some material out of it. All right. Happy uh, Light Process Program, and we explore in the Light Process Program how love can be the most among the most negatively motivating addictions. Not real love. Love is the opposite of addiction, but there's a certain version of variety of love that can drive people to these extreme, these negative extremes. And that helps inform what it is that people are addicted to, whether it's a person or any other kind of involvement or drug. It's that whole engulfing experience that captivates your entire being that you can't be, you know, people take drugs and quit them all the time. When it suffuses your being and you say, this is me, I can't live without it. That's a real addiction. All right, Stanton. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Good to see you. (laughs) 